Stocks are firm this morning. We've got the dollar down and bonds are bid. Treasury yields a tad lower here as jobless claims come in higher than expected, a.k.a. worse. And the market likes it. Let's bring in Liz Ann Saunders. Let's talk about what we learned from the Fed and think about tomorrow's print. She's the chief investment strategist at Schwab Center for Financial Research. Morning, Liz Ann. Good morning, Oliver. How are you? Doing good. What'd you learn from Powell the last couple of days here? So a little bit of a different tone yesterday than the uh, the day before. Obviously, the day before rattled markets, and you saw a, a very quick jump in the terminal rate expectations. His tone was maybe marginally softer yesterday, but throughout just reinforcing the data dependency nature of what the Fed is doing here. And I, I think this gaming of how many more hikes, will it be 50, will it be 25? Um, it, it, you know, we're all speculating. It literally will depend on the data. And there was a lot of discussion yesterday whether Powell gets advanced readings on the jobs reports or components thereof. And the answer is other than publicly available information, uh, he does not. So between tomorrow's jobs report and uh, the next CPI report, that's the data that the market's going to chew on to gauge whether it's 25 or 50. Glad to hear you say that because I thought maybe I was imagining something thinking about uh, Powell's uh, kind of opening comments in day two. I mean, it almost kind of seems obvious that he was uh, sort of looking at the market's response yesterday, or rather Tuesday. Um, and uh, I don't know if he didn't like that. Uh, I mean, look, it might be a marginal shift in kind of the tone, but the idea that he said, look, we haven't decided anything uh, for sure yet. Nothing's set in stone. We're still going to figure out as it goes. Was that him kind of telling us, look, 50s um, not necessarily justified based on what we've seen so far? I think you could read that I don't think 50 is, is a lock. And and by the way, Oliver, you know, I don't think that, that Powell has knee-jerk reactions to what the stock market does. Okay. Maybe there's it's more subliminal in that it, it, it is one of the way to gauge the impressions that investors have as it relates to the reaction to a Fed meeting. But uh, the you know, Powell himself has been really clear directly saying that you know, market volatility, market weakness is, is not a mandate that that, you know, that's basically where the notion of the Fed put having been put to bed uh, goes. And if anything, um, weakness in the equity market to some degree is a bit of a feature in what the Fed is trying to do with tighter financial conditions. But it, as just a general messaging around um, the perceived hawkish tone, he might have wanted to backpedal. But I don't think it was purely a function of what the equity market did uh, that day. I'm not, I'm not sure that's a very high priority for the Fed right now. Mm. All right. Uh, when we think about tomorrow, uh, what role does that play, Lizanne, after the last crazy print um, last month? Uh, how do, I mean, do we just have any way to kind of gauge what tomorrow's going to be like uh, following the last one? I don't know if the consensus has changed, but last time I looked at it, it was around 215, but a really wide range in terms of economist estimates from as low as 100, and there's a whisper lowers number than that, to up to you know 350 or so, and of course there's whisper numbers higher than that. Uh, so I think the number is important. It's not just the number, it's not just the payroll number and the unemployment rate number, which in the case of the latter, 
doesn't matter all that much given how lagging an indicator it is, but I think some of the details under the surface, uh, any big differential between household employment and payroll employment. Within household employment, we get things like the uh, bias toward part-time versus full-time, multiple job holders. Obviously, the uh, the wage data will be important. Labor force participation rate as a measure of, uh, of labor market tightness. So um, as is always the case, but particularly in this environment right now, you're going to have to do a little more digging uh, versus just reading the the initial headline that comes out on payrolls. Okay, so when we're looking for the details here, um, looks like the market kind of already has that on its mind a bit with the wages uh, expected to kind of creep. Uh, that's still kind of our, uh, I mean, if I was going to say secondary, but maybe it's the most important thing uh, at this point. Well, one piece of wage data that we uh, did get um, you know, prior to tomorrow's jobs report is that the the upward pressure on wages for job leavers has started to roll over, where for job stayers, it's been a bit more steady. So you had had more than a seven percentage point spread, you know, 7% or so wage growth for job stayers. It, at the high, it was like 14% for job leavers. That has started to come down. Uh, that's not good news yet, but at least directionally, it's there in addition you know, for all the attention that the JOLTS report gets, particularly the job openings component of it, which didn't quite come down as much as some were hoping, the quits rate did come down more significantly. And I only mention that because of those related metrics, the quits rate has a fairly high inverse correlation to the PCE, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. So again, doing a little bit of digging, there's maybe a little bit of hope that some of this inflation pressure under the surface uh, could be uh, could be easing. Okay. Um, the uh, idea that uh, bonds have already kind of pushed up uh, the expectations, kind of back to that conversation of 50 in the terminal rate. Um, this uh, report tomorrow going to be an important uh, contributor to uh, that calculus, uh, but it does kind of seem like still uh, we're sort of trending. It's not, um, you know, bonds have been kind of doing this for a couple of weeks, even before PAL. Rates moving higher, the two-year blowing out. Does it seem like uh, it's inevitable that we're getting somewhere near to like 6% on that terminal rate? Well, yeah, the market has close to 5.7 now, and I think particularly if we get a hot jobs number, I wouldn't be surprised at all to not only see expectations for a 50 um, move up, but um, possibly that uh, terminal rate expectation move up. And, and if it does even a bit, you know, if you could call it 5.8, it's not all that far from 6%, so there's certainly a lot more chatter about a 6% terminal rate. Also really important is we have to think bigger picture longer term than just the next FOMC uh, meeting. Um, one of the things that we've been highlighting quite a bit recently is that we think there's little to no chance that we're going back to the great moderation era uh, for the 20 plus years or so that predated the pandemic and probably going back to what, what I've been calling a more temperamental era, which was really the 30 years from the mid 60s to the uh, late 90s, where you had greater inflation volatility, greater economic volatility, greater geopolitical volatility, and importantly, a long-term inverse correlation between bond yields and stock prices. And I think that's more akin to the secular environment we're in. And I, I think Powell indirectly is really reinforcing the idea that we, the economy, markets, 
And the Fed is not going back to that era of great moderation where we didn't have to worry about inflation. And several times we went to the zero bound on the Fed funds rate. I just think that that ship has sailed. Mm. We're looking at a chart of the earnings yield minus the two-year, which of course has been a diving as the two-year goes up, mm. which takes us back uh, to your point to a regime long ago, uh, pre great financial crisis. What stops uh, this chart? From, I mean. Um, from continuing to, to go down, Lizanne? Well, it, some would be maybe some stability in earnings, which I don't think we're there yet. For, for those who don't know what the earnings yield is, it's just the inverse of the P.E. ratio. So instead of price divided by earnings, it's earnings divided by uh, price. And interestingly, a lot of sort of ardent market bulls a year ago we're pointing toward those interest rate based valuation metrics like earnings yield, like equity risk premium, because in an environment before the liftoff and yields off the zero bound, the, the equity market looked cheap relative to the bond market. Now, not only do traditional valuation metrics like PE ratio still show the market is not uh, cheap, even even given the one year bear market we have been in plus, but you've lost the support of those valuation metrics that look at equities kind of through the lens of, of fixed income and do that relative comparison. So pretty much now every valua valuation metric is in the no better than fairly valued um, and more likely in the expensive, still expensive territory. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, sounds like uh, we still have some uh, work to do here in uh, kind of getting uh, stocks in line with the uh, reality of uh, where the interest rate is going to be and uh, also kind of where the economic risk is going to be. Our yield curve continues to uh, vanish is the word I've been using. It just keeps going down yeah. and down. Well, Zan, always a great conversation. Thank you very much for setting us up this morning. Good to see you. Thanks, Absolutely. Lizanne Saunders, Chief Investment Strategist at Schwab's Center for Financial Research. On a little bit of the change in tone from Powell, day two to day one, but markets uh, generally still with pretty strong conviction that terminal rate ends above 5.5% at least.